Welcome to Search Talk Live with search engine optimization and marketing experts, Robert O'Haver and Matt Weber. Powered by the Robert Palmer family of companies. All right. Welcome back to another episode of Search Talk Live. I'm your host, Robert O'Haver, along with Matt Weber of Roar Internet Marketing. Matt? Hey, how you doing, Robert? Good to have a really active studio audience today. Good group of people. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, before we get started, I want to mention to you guys, be sure and check out Ahrefs, or Ahrefs is how it's supposedly said. Um, they have multiple tools that you can use for SEO, content marketing, uh, you name it. I mean, you can do site audits, uh, all kinds of stuff. And it's not cheap, but it's 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 definitely, wouldn't you say, worth the money? It is the Swiss gold. Army knife of SEO. Yes, absolutely. It's got everything in it that you could possibly want. And, and more data than you can go through in a month. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know. Uh, and also check out, if you're not a hands-on type of person in SEO, go check out uh, Pixel Cut Labs. Uh, they do a complete site audit on your site, and they can do uh, give you suggestions on what you need to have done to your site. Uh, but let's get on with the show. Uh, you can, if you're during the show, if you have questions, you can go to hashtag Search Talk Live on Twitter, or you can't go there, but you can type hashtag Search Talk Live on Twitter uh, for your, with your questions about for our guest. Uh, and uh, yeah, did you have anything else you wanted to add? No, I'm just really glad to be here. You know, I just got back from Maine. Maine. Maine, yeah, it was with the Grow with Google team. We did an event in Maine, and you and I complain about the weather here in Florida a lot being too hot. But uh, I got to tell you, it was twenty-two degrees when I left Maine Oof, on uh, Friday, so it was nice. It was nice to be back. Well, did they have heat? Yeah, they did. Oh. Yeah, <laughs> you remember yeah. last year? Yeah, year left. <laughs> yeah. But it was a good turnout. Met a lot of really nice business owners and owner operators up in Maine. I also found this out what? that there's a good portion of the population in northern Maine that does not have access to the internet. No way. Yeah, can you believe that? I mean, you know, we think United States, right? We think everybody has access to the Internet. But there's places in northern Maine, apparently a good good amount of them, that they simply don't have access to the Internet. Even satellite? Oh, Nothing. Wow. Zero. Zip. That's nuts. Anyway. All right, so today is an exciting show. We're kind of switching gears here. We're not going strictly SEO here. We're going to be talking marketing in general. Uh, our guest today is Benjamin Shapiro. He is a marketing podcast and growth expert uh, from Martech Pod, the Martech Podcast. How's it going? Hey guys, how you doing? Good, good. So the people that don't know about you, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Yeah, um, where should I start? Let's see. Uh, you mentioned that I'm the host of the Martech Podcast, mm -hmm. which is a show that interviews marketing experts across multiple disciplines. Um, we do B two B, B two C early stage, mid stage, enterprise growth, all sorts of different types of ways that people use technology to market their products or services. Um, I'm also the host of the Voices of Search podcast, which is a collaboration with search metrics. And so I do an SEO podcast as well. Uh, and I've been a marketing and brand development consultant um, for, I guess it's been about four years now, four years this month. And uh, in my prior life, I ran the marketing department at some early stage startups, uh, content marketing expert, and then uh, worked at eBay as well. So uh, kind of a wide variety of experiences, but focusing primarily on being a talking head and a podcast host these days. <laughs> <laughs> Great. Um, so let's let's dive into it today. I think we're going to talk a little, little bit about everything. We're going to talk, cover a little SEO, and we're actually going to talk about marketing strategy prior to prioritizing testing and validating marketing channels um so let's let's dive into it let's get right to the beginning of it and let's talk a little bit about how do how does someone really develop who their audience is globally beyond the seo tools that we talk quite a bit about beyond the keyword research tools what guidance can you offer for identifying your best customer yeah this is what i call brand development and i'm, I'm really glad that you guys started here because in the Voices of Search podcast, I have a, a chance to talk to a lot of SEOs, and and we talk a lot about the SEO tactics and optimization, and we sort of get lost in our own world. And to stereotype SEOs, you know, we're the geeks in the corner, <laughs> and you know, we just make organic traffic happen, and we have these sort of like gray hat techniques that nobody really wants to know about. And for like the general marketers, 
they just think of it as this like plug and play arm. And maybe that's just the rap that SEOs get. And I feel like one of the things that we've talked about a lot on the podcast to help SEOs grow personally and professionally is to start expanding their horizons and thinking beyond just sort of traditional SEO and and organic growth tactics to start thinking about how general marketing and, and digital marketing specifically really happens in the eyes of more generalists, broader marketers. And so starting off with an understanding of your brand is is really square one. And you know, whenever I'm serving and I'm putting on my marketing consultant hat first, it's always the place that I start. And it really is an exercise with getting to know who your customers or who you think your customers are and having real conversations with them and starting to get some quantitative data, some qualitative data before you start focusing on your qualitative data, right? right? Before you have enough numbers to count and analyze, you need to really talk to some people and get some of the intuitive things and, and validate some of your assumptions. And that really helps, you know, that process really helps you understand the ways that you should be positioning your brand, the types of content that you should be thinking about, and the way that you should be positioning against your competition. So, you know, square one, when you're starting and building a marketing foundation, before you think of keyword optimization, before you think of what content to write, it's about understanding who you are as a company and who the people you're trying to reach are and figuring out what the overlap between those, and that's really where your your brand should live. And how does an SEO talk to the customers, as, as you mentioned? How can technology help SEOs to have a conversation with their customers? Yeah, you know, it's easier and easier now that we have have gone or are going through the digital revolution. Um, getting in front of people is often as simple as, you know, having a Skype account like we're using right now or a Zoom conference and an email address. Um, it sounds like it's more complicated than it really is. Oh, I have to do all of these user studies and I have to go find the perfect people and, and all this whole process. You don't need that. Um, if you're already running an existing brand, you likely have emails for your customers and most of the time, what I've found is that you're going to get about a 30% to a 50% response rate when you reach out from your brand saying, hey, I work for a company that you use, a product that you use. I'm on the marketing team and we're trying to better understand some of our most important customers. Would you be willing to spend you know, 15 minutes with me talking about how you think about you know, whatever the industry that you're working with and what role my company plays in that industry for you? And people will respond and they're willing to set up a half an hour call. And maybe there's an incentive structure. Maybe it's I'll give you a $20 Amazon card or whatever it is. But but truthfully, if you do the outreach, if you can get access to 100 emails and you get a 30% response rate and you know one third of the people that actually respond follow through and schedule a meeting, you're at 10 interviews. That's really all you need to get the empirical data to, to build sort of that base understanding of who your customers are. After doing about 10 of these qualitative interviews, you should have a good sense of, okay, these people are starting to say the same things. I see some common themes. And then you're really using your judgment. And this is what I've done for you know, as a consultant for a handful of brands, including SEO brands like Searchmetrics, who I've worked with for years, the first thing I did at Searchmetrics was come down and I, I sat down with the people that worked at the company. And we answered very simple questions together. What does this company do? Who are the products for? Why do they need the products? Who else are they thinking about? Why would they choose Searchmetrics? Right? And you know, by talking to people that are internal, you get a sense of what, you know, the, the company's needs and the company's brands are. And this is what I was doing as a consultant to really get myself up to speed and understand who the people were, what roles they play, how everybody viewed the company. But then after going through that process where we're doing these sort of baseline definitions of how a company views itself as an organization, 
then I go to the perspective, either the existing customers, the prospective customers, or if you don't actually have customers, you go to who the people that you think are going to be your customers, and you end up asking very similar questions. You're going to take it from a little bit more of a macro perspective. Hey, I work for this SEO company, and you know we think that you're the right perspective client for us, and we want to learn a little bit about how you think about the landscape where do you go to find information about SEO tools? What do you look for in an SEO tool? Uh, you know, what are the companies that you consider for solving your problems? Why do you consider those problems? Where do you go to find information about that? How do you do your product comparison? And by going through and asking those, you know, relatively high level questions to both your organization and then the people you're trying to target, you get a good sense of the overlap, right? We are saying that we are focusing on the enterprise, you know, SEO community, and we're marketing on Facebook. And the SEO, you know, the people that we're trying to reach are saying, you know what, I don't really look to Facebook to find information about SEO. It's really all about content and personal referrals. All right, well, now you know your marketing strategy, yeah. right? And you can build your content strategy around that process. So, the, the short form answer after I've gone on for a little while is there's a process for getting to know your organization as a whole and then getting to know your customers and understanding the overlap between those two groups can help influence and should influence your brand strategy, which then should trickle down to your, your SEO strategy and your content strategy and all the stuff that we talk about on a regular basis. And what does the outcome of that look like? Robert, have you done either the uh, exercise where you take the pictures out of a magazine, you cut them out, and you actually create an image of who your best customer is? Have you done that exercise to try to? No. And there's, there's tools online that allow you to do this much easier than back in the day when you used to cut pictures out of magazines. But what is the outcome of the process that you describe, Benjamin? What, is it, what does it look like? Do we end up with avatars that we're going to cut and paste from graphics libraries? Are we going to come up with a written profile of our ideal customer that's going to help guide our SEO? Was that was a question for Robert or, or for, for me? you now? Okay. So uh, there's a tool that I use called Extensio. It starts with an X. I think it's X-T-E-N-S-I-O. Um, and they have personas. And that's really, you know, what, and, and honestly, the, the term persona gets a little bit of a bad rap. I feel like for most people, marketing personas are those things that you put on the wall and forget about because yep. you're busy yep. as an operator. And so I don't really focus too much on persona building, but like the end document that I hand to an organization is uh, both a deck that is, here's all the research that went into the findings, and here's a summary of the type of person that I would target, and that type of person is a persona. And often, you know, the right application of a persona is not put it on the wall and forget about it. It is as you're going through a marketing exercise, as you're thinking about whatever your optimization tactics are, whatever your you know longer term strategy is, you need to be able to map that strategy to a specific persona to make sure you're talking to your customer base and not just marketing generically. Yeah. Uh, the, no. the closer you can target, the better you know and more efficient you're going to be. And so really what those are meant to be is not poster board on the wall with a pretty picture and a couple of words and like a graph of what their needs are. It's an exercise that needs to be adopted regularly to say, okay, we're going through a long tail content optimization service. Which of our customers of the three that we're targeting actually looks at these keywords? What's the content that they look at? Because we're trying to target this for a specific buyer persona, a specific type of you know relationship we're going to have with the company. And you know you might say that you know one of your personas is an executive and one of them is an operator, and you need to be able to understand who you're creating your content for because you know the VP of marketing needs different content than the SEO analyst, right? They're thinking about different things and they're solving different problems. Let me ask you this. And are you for or against automated emails as far as getting surveys done with with past clients or Yeah, I mean surveys have a place and a time. And for me when you're talking about building the baseline foundation and understanding of, you know, your your brand positioning, 
I think that's better suited doing getting collecting empirical data yeah. than a tremendous amount, you know, high volumes of survey data. I'd rather go interview 10 people to figure out and and help build my intuition and validate some of my assumptions first. And then if I need to really be scientific about understanding a decision that I'm making, then I might go survey. Um, you know, to me, that's being able to get information from the masses. You only need about 10 people, 15 people to do these interviews. And it's, it takes a lot of effort, but you get all of the sort of rich, juicy detail by actually talking to real people. And a lot can be lost in interpretation with the survey. So I use surveys more for validation and things that require scale. And, you know, generally when I'm surveying, it's for small pieces of data, right? Like what's your NPS score? How did you feel about this product or this experience? I'm asking short questions. I'm not sending like, hey, here's 15 minutes worth of a conversation in survey form. Like that just never works for me. Yeah, like how much joy did you feel when you bought this last product? Yeah. What the <laughs> F are you going to do with that? You know, it's like, oh, they feel 13% more joy than last week. That's wonderful. <laughs> you know, I, I, I try to be more granular and more specific and collect a lot of data right. when I'm using surveys. And, and there is a time and a place for that stuff. Um, but, you know, we started the conversation off talking about how do you think about, you know, your brand and your positioning and how do SEOs sort of understand the the mindset of the executive and the rest of the digital marketing team and universe. And to me, that is more of an interpersonal exercise mm -hmm. than it is going and getting sort of like cold, sterile data. We have enough cold, sterile data. Yeah. Right. We're about to enter, I think, uh, an exciting time. I was reading an article this morning that where facial recognition technology is going oh, yeah. is that'll be built into our computers, and they're going to sense our facial response, our nonverbal response to the content that we're absorbing, so that you can watch someone's behavior when they look at a Google search engine results page and look at what particular part of the page elicits an emotion, and that'll be tracked. And so, in the future, we'll get emotion scores back on content to wow. see if the content actually solicited uh, or generated emotion. I have questions about that. I think the AI might have taken over at that point, and it might <laughs> yeah, never right. happen yeah. because we're not writing the content. We're just, you know, hamsters in a wheel at that point. It seems pretty far out there. You know, and it's still to this day, I swear that my Google Home and my phone are listening to me. I will mention a need for a product or service, and I will see an ad every single time when I'm on the web. The great debate. Yeah, and I, I have been next standing next to uh, people of a significant authority at Google and asked them this question many different ways and trying to get an answer. And, and they all say that that's how sophisticated the data signals are. So they didn't hear you. Yeah, but <laughs> they know that you spent time with Joe, and Joe's got the sort of purchase patterns, or that you went to a particular location, and and they're saying that's the strength of oh, all yeah. of the data that is present. You're, you're, yeah. We're all simply underestimating the detail in our DNA that we leave on the internet. That's they didn't answer. hear you, and they didn't have to. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, exactly. And the, for what it's worth, Alexa, Google, Siri, I love you all equally. You're all great. Please don't blow up my house. Yeah. <laughs> I have the coincidence where if you're, if you're, you're bringing your phone to a meeting and you're with somebody that you've never met before, yeah. and then the next time you go to Facebook Suggested Friends, and there it is suggesting that person. Yep. And I've never met that person before. Yeah, so that's location data. Yeah. Right? Yeah, I, I've, yeah. I've interviewed three or four location data experts for the MarTech podcast, and it's amazing the different use cases that you can get, you know, most people aren't opting out and they're basically just broadcasting where they are at all time. And hopefully it's anonymized, but you can actually get down to like, where is this one person on this given day or track their behaviors sure. over time? If you work hard enough at it, it's, it's amazing and creepy as hell. Yeah. Let's go down that technology road a little bit. What do you think are the three technology platforms that SEOs can really benefit from, besides the ones that we talk a lot about on, on Search Talk Live, the conventional great tools that we have like Ahrefs. Beyond that, what technology can really improve 
the results that an SEO contributes to an organization. Yeah, that's really interesting. Uh, three topics for SEOs. I mean, I'll go back to understanding brand and marketing in general and being able to get qualitative data from people. Um, and to me, the, the tool that I use that actually facilitates most of that, uh, there's a tool called Mixmax, which is an email uh, tool. Ties right into your Google Apps and your Gmail, and you can create these templates, and you can do basically mail merges, but they call them sequences, to reach out to people. And so from a personal inbox, you can send a relatively personalized email at scale, um, and it actually comes from your inbox. So, you know, Ben at the MarTech podcast is sending an email saying he's interested in talking to you about X, Y, and Z, and it comes from Ben, not from the MarTech podcast. And so I actually think that the communication tools where SEOs can get in touch with the right people, right, email is the most effective way for you to build relationships with people and actually handling handling it so it feels like it's a one-on-one -on -one piece of communication. Going back to our previous conversation, that's a great tool. Connecting on Zoom, I'm a Zoom conference you know user, um, and that's you know how I've connected with everybody for the Martech podcast, as well as a couple of other shows. So it's like the non SEO stuff. Um, you know, I think that those are are great options. I am. Um, an advocate and a consultant for search metrics. So like in the SEO community and those suite of tools, if you can afford it, you know, it's an enterprise tool. So it's not like a self-serve $25 a month type tool. But if you're working at scale and you want to understand your competitive landscape, do your keyword research, you know, build portfolios, do your monitoring, understand your visibility, search metrics is incredible. And my favorite tool out of the bunch is their content experience, where while you're writing, um, it is doing real-time analysis of your copy and telling you what keywords you need to include to rank for a specific, you know, word that you're targeting or a term that you're targeting. And so, you know, going through and not only making sure that you're, the content you're going to write ranks, um, but also being able to do an audit of your historical content and being able to go back through and, and optimize it because search rankings are obviously always being adjusted and changing. You know, in terms of SEO tools, that's that's my my sweet spot. Yeah, and I didn't want to cut you off all ago, but I do want to go back to email lists because we do have a lot of people all over the world that listen to this show. And I wanted to make sure that you are clear that you're not buying an email list. <laughs> you are no. Using no, client I, I, data. But truthfully, there, there's a time and a place to buy email lists. I, you know, I know that it might seem like it's a it's a dirty word, but there are opt-in lists where people are giving their their data and, you know, getting emails. You know, you go to a conference. It is pretty much known that you're giving your email list to the conference provider and the sponsors. Sure. And so, essentially, when you're a conference sponsor, you're buying the email list. Like, we're marketers. Let's call it what it is. You know, buying emails in an appropriate fashion is not a useless marketing tactic. There's times when you're, you know, buying emails from lists that are shady and you shouldn't have access to. That, and that's you, where I was going. You yeah. You don't want to take people's <laughs> PII. Like, don't be creepy. But you know, there's a right time and place to be able to get access to people's emails list in an appropriate fashion. But no, I'm not suggesting that you go buy email lists from people. A lot of the times, when you're doing your, um, you know, your empirical data collection. Yeah. Right. When you're interviewing your 10 people to understand your brand, you're networking. Yeah. You're, you're, the real tool here is LinkedIn. Yeah. And you're you know collecting email addresses and asking for contact information. You need to find 10 people. It's not rocket science. Yeah, I think. Yeah, I think where I was going with that is, you know, I get hundreds, literally hundreds of emails every day asking if they can do SEO <laughs> for me. <laughs> and it's like I've been doing this a long time. But yeah. content writers, I mean, I get tons of it. So. Yeah. Have you ever seen the, the blog post where Google gets those same emails? Yeah. It's at Google.com. They write, hey there, we can improve your rankings on Google. <laughs> <laughs> I remember back in the day, Matt Cutts used to get them too. Yes, exactly. Right. Matt Cutts getting an email soliciting SEO services. Nicely done. Yeah. yeah. So, Benjamin, tell us, let's go down the technology realm a little bit. How can an SEO use technology, for example, to 
find the ROI in top of funnel keywords, but there's no click, there's no conversion, but it, you know, we have to target those top of funnel keywords for brand awareness. Uh, how do we, how can we use technology to measure the ROI of that? Yeah. You know, I, I think you start looking at a couple different data sources, right? And, you know, you can go and look at your query volume and you can look at impressions in uh, Google Search Console, right? That's a, a normal go-to. Um, there are the unmeasurable metrics, right? And so it's kind of the, the gift and the curse of organic search, right? You count all the stuff that happens from Google, but it's really hard to figure out that multi-channel attribution impact. Um, I use a, a service called CallRail, yeah. um, which is uh, which is great. It actually started off as a call tracking service um, where if you made a phone call, it would create a unique phone number so you understood what marketing channel was driving that call. And they've recently um, added form attribution tracking as well. And so, you know, building in these types of attribution to understand, you know, whether it's Google Analytics, CallRail, some of these other services that are out there, um, SEO should get credit for a lot of the direct traffic, right? When you're seeing a spike in impressions and zero clicks, right? If you're 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 showing up in some of the, you know, the new UI that Google is inserting regularly and it's becoming more and more of that like position zero type content, the, the featured snippets, yeah. um, you're not going to see a click. So that can't be counted for direct attribution. But what you want to do is look at your direct traffic and see where there's a lift and you're trying to correlate, hey, we saw this much of an impact on a zero, you know, a zero click or a position zero uh, search. And we're seeing a, a subsequent lift in our direct traffic you know, that's kind of the easiest way to try to figure it out. It's like we're getting more and more impressions. Every time we get an impression that is, you know, has content and we're showing up at the top of search, there has to be some sort of empirical brand value. Then you start looking at brand metrics and direct traffic. Yeah. What do you say to people who say that the value of SEO is decreasing because of these additional elements that Google is putting on the SERP, pushing down the organic listings further and further and further. The value of bottom of funnel SEO, I think, is potentially decreasing. Um, but I, I don't think the overall value of SEO is increasing. And I think that the value of content is actually increasing tremendously. So let me break that up a little bit. Google's pushing all the organic content down the page. More and more is shifting towards mobile, and so the advertising is just getting more impressions, right? This is not anything new. It's not rocket science and not breaking news. Um, and so inherently that means that SEO is going to be less valuable for things that are, you know, head terms and kind of belly terms. Sure. And then when you get to the long tail stuff, when people are a little bit, you know, farther down the funnel and maybe doing their research, um, you know, then I think SEO is still very, very valuable. So it kind of depends on what you're trying to accomplish. Um, I think where you're seeing less attributable conversions is where, you know, they are, um, I'm forgetting the word, when somebody's looking for inf informational queries, right? When somebody is doing their research, Google is giving the answers to their questions without driving somebody to a website. And so, you know, the more that you're showing up there, the more brand impression you're going to have, but the less credit you're going to be able to track, the less credit you're going to be able to take for attracting that user. Yeah. So is SEO getting less valuable? Yeah, I think mostly because mobile and because the content's being pushed down. On the flip side, voice search is coming on, and so SEO is going to be so tied and content is going to be so tied to voice search that I do think that there's a reason to believe that SEO will continue to be valuable and we might just be sort of going downhill before we we sort of turn back up i think especially I, on the localized searches you know yeah i mean it's localized and it's informational yeah right hey what was adam sand the name of adam sandler's last movie i'm not going to click on that i'm going to get a snippet from from imdb most right. likely 
I'm still getting the answer to my question. I still get a brand impression from IMDb. Right. So the next time I want to go directly to figure out, you know, what movie, or maybe let's use Fandango as an example, if they show up in that zero step, next time I'm thinking about going and buying movie tickets, I've already had 10 impressions from Fandango over the last three years. They're top of mind. Now I'm going to go there instead of just, you know, Googling movie tickets. Right. I also think that content is becoming more and more valuable and that SEOs can contribute outside of just organic traffic, right? There is a discipline for search engine optimization, but the type of work that SEOs do in understanding what people want, understanding what keywords they should attract and building great content, sort of supporting the content development is going to be more and more important because consumers get so many impressions now, right? There's so mm -hmm. much data that is out there. Yeah. And you know, you said it yourself, hey, I, I could be standing next to somebody and then they show up in my Facebook feed, right? There's a data source that's there. And wherever I am, I'm on my phone. And whenever I'm on my phone, I'm getting a constant stream of ad impressions. Yeah. People are getting tired of the ad impressions. And so they're becoming less responsive to them. And what you're seeing is marketers take a shift towards not actually focusing on direct response advertising, but more content marketing. Right, you're seeing content being pushed into the social networks and programmatic advertising is more about engaging people to you know, consume your content, yeah. grab an email address, be able to retarget somebody once they've self-selected. And so you know, the content that we're using for SEO is becoming repurposed more and more places. And I think that that's you know, one of the, the major shifts of this decade. Yeah, and I think pro program can't even say it. Programmatic advertising is a whole nother level. Yes, it is. <laughs> so uh, we need to take a break real quick for our sponsors. I want to let everybody know when we get back, we're going to do what? Uh, who, fo who follows? Who influences the influencer? I messed that up. I don't know why. <laughs> who influences the influencer? So we want to know, Benjamin, who influences you? Who keeps you up to date and kind of leads you down your path? So get your pencil and paper and your Twitter account ready. And we'll be right back. Today's episode of Search Talk Live is sponsored by... Hey, Robert. You're here early for the show. Yeah, I got a ton of SEO work done this morning, and I got it done way ahead of schedule. Couldn't have done it without Ahrefs. Yeah, so much easier than using multiple programs and having data in a bunch of different places. Plus, being able to see what is holding a page back from ranking in Ahrefs is so much faster than picking through each part myself. Oh, yeah, I agree. We use Ahrefs because it's so easy to teach people at our agency how to use it. Their YouTube tutorials couldn't be better. It's one thing to have a tool. It's another thing to know your team is using it to its full capacity. I don't think there's an easier, more complete tool than Ahrefs. Hey, Robert, why don't you hit them up to be a sponsor of the show? I am way ahead of you. Ahrefs, the official SEO tool of Search Talk Live. Try their new seven-day trial for only $7. Go to Ahrefs.com. That's hrefs.com. Your website analytics data probably feels like this. But it could feel like this. Making sense of all the website data available to you hasn't been easy until now. Smilelytics transforms your website analytics data into easy-to-understand memorable photographs. You pick your own photo theme. Smilelytics. S-M-Y-L-E-Lytics. Like analytics. Only happier. And it's free at smilelytics.com. Want to know how your website is doing? Get the big picture with pictures. It's the easiest and most enjoyable way to understand your website data. No charts, no graphs, no cost. Sign up today. Smilelytics. S-M-Y-L-E. Analytics, like analytics. Only happier at smilelytics.com. Learning a lot from Search Talk Live, but don't know what specific SEO actions you should be taking on your website? Or maybe you've tried to implement SEO on your website, but haven't gotten the results you were aiming for. We've all been there. That's why we here at Pixel Cut Labs created the SEO Project Planner. It's a one-time project where our SEO team runs a full site crawl, overlays data from leading SEO tools, and manually audits every page on your website. We'll use our findings to craft a strategic plan that covers everything from your link building strategy to page-level technical SEO and content recommendations. The project planner is perfect for businesses that are serious about SEO and want to hit a home run by leveraging our proven SEO strategy. 
To learn more and to see pricing for your project, visit pixelcutlabs.com STL or text STL to 31996. Pixel Cut Labs, welcome to page one. Get your questions in on Twitter. Type hashtag search talk live and your question. Now back to the show. All right, we're back. And remember, you can go to Twitter and type hashtag search talk live, but now we're going to go right into it. Um, Benjamin, who influences you? You know, my answer is going to be a total cop out, guys. So I'm just going to preface <laughs> it. And, and you want to you want to hear somebody be self-promoting? You're about to. <laughs> Myself. <laughs> but, the, but the sad thing is, it's it's the God's honest truth. So I host three podcasts: uh, the Martech Podcast, the Voices of Search Podcast, and the Finding a Job Podcast. Outside of consulting clients, that's really where my media consumption comes from. Um, I don't spend a lot of time consuming uh, podcasts or, uh, you know, I'm, I'm reading Twitter and, uh, you know, I'm not reading a ton of blog posts because during the day I'm having, you know, three to five hours of conversations with people pretty regularly and I'm getting my marketing information and staying up to date that way. So the truth is, here's the self-promotion. Sorry, guys. MarTech podcast. That's really the the guests of those shows are the biggest influences on me in terms of my understanding of modern marketing and some yeah. of the tools and applications that are being used. So I'll say that that's my first one. Do you use social media though, to either vet out your potential guests or recruit potential guests? You know, I do. Um, I'm not really like checking out people's Twitter handles to try to figure out if they are a worthwhile guest. A lot of the times what I'm using is LinkedIn. If there's a specific topic that I want to cover, I will ask my network, who's the biggest influencer in voice search? Who's the biggest influencer in CRM adaptations, right? Something like that. Um, And so I'm filtering by the people that are the guests of the MarTech podcast and the fans of the MarTech podcast who connect with me on LinkedIn to try to source interesting guests. And so I'm looking through their LinkedIn profiles to try to figure out if they have credibility. And I try to see if they've done some podcast guesting. Honestly, a lot of the times people are reaching out to me to be guests on the show. And while I feel like for most podcasters, they think, okay, if this person's reaching out to me, Uh, It feels salesy, right? They want something from me. And I think of it the opposite way. This is a marketer who has a message that they want to get across and they are an expert enough in a specific topic or area that they're paying a PR agency to go get them on a marketing show. Yeah. I think that that ends up making a great guest. I I totally have. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to cut you off. Go ahead. Anecdotally, they also make great sponsors because they're willing to invest in, you know, getting their message out there and so there's a kind of a self-serving aspect to it sorry what were you going to say no i was just going to say i totally agree with you i matt wouldn't you agree that i mean our guests have taught i mean i learned something from every single show yeah other than the food and beverage here at the search talk live studio it is the number (laughs) one reason that i do this podcast (laughs) yeah i mean we we've expanded our knowledge base and i've been doing uh digital marketing for 17 years and I still, every day that we do this show, learn something. Well, it's the contrarian opinions, too. Don't you love people coming and go, and, you know, guy takes stance A, then the next guest comes in the next week and says, no, 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 it's not A, it's definitely B. That's the, that's the best part about doing these podcasts. So while we're talking and, about your podcast, why don't you tell us the uh, website so people can take a look at it? Uh, MartechPod, M-A-R-T-E-C-H-P-O-D. Um, and that's the Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, uh, the website. It's all MartechPod or MartechPod.com. And that's for the search one as well? Uh, the search podcast is VoicesOfSearch.com, okay. or you can go to SearchMetrics.com slash VOS. It's co-hosted. Um, and that's uh, – we do a couple episodes a week uh, covering a whole bunch of different topics related to SEO and you know, we, we don't just only focus on enterprise SEO, even though that's uh, that's the area where search metrics kind of is focused. Sure. If someone's listening to the show and they want to learn how to use podcasts to promote their brand, what counsel would you give them in using podcasts as a marketing channel? How do you use podcasts as a marketing channel? I think there's a couple of different ways. 
a lot of people are doing podcast as uh, sort of a, a reputation and brand building, a credibility building exercise. Yeah. And that's different than how sort of a, a corporate enterprise should uh, have a podcast, right? If you're trying to be a personality, it's different if you're a company trying to own the conversation around an industry. Um, I think at the end of the day, what matters is that you have professional sounding content, which isn't terribly hard to produce. I mean, I'll tell you that I use a, I don't know, what was this thing? $150 USB mic. It's the Yeti Blue. Mm -hmm. I plug it directly in my laptop. I record with no filters and I pay 15 to $25 an hour for an editor to clean up the audio and to mix and master it. So I'm not spending thousands of dollars on gear, but you know, creating high quality content is step one. It's, you know, you all obviously have to have a positioning and a point of view and something that you're gonna talk about that's interesting. Sure. Um, and then the other thing is, you know, it's just like any other content business, you have to publish regularly and consistently to build a following. You know, you're not going to get a lot of traffic from your first blog post. But if you're writing blog posts three times a week on a specific topic, eventually people are going to find you. Yeah. Kind of circles back to the very beginning of the show, right? I'm a big believer in if you don't know the target, the weapon really doesn't matter. So if you really don't understand your audience and if you really don't understand what their needs are and how to service their needs. It also takes time to build an audience. I mean, Search Talk Live, we probably six to eight months before we started seeing some really good traction, you know? Right. Remember when we didn't have microphones and we were just doing it out on the curb, just <laughs> talking loudly? Those were the days. Just talking about search literally yeah. live. <laughs> <laughs> we were live. Yeah. <laughs> so let's flip the question around, Benjamin, and let's say that someone listening to the show has aspirations of having their own podcast. Uh, what are some steps one, two, and three that you would give them to get them closer to their goal? Yeah, I think that the, a, I'll preface it with podcasting is an incredible medium. And, and while it takes time to develop a following, with the MarTech podcast specifically, we were able to expedite that relatively quickly. We went from zero to 10,000 downloads a month in a little less than nine months of publishing our content. Wow. Um, and so, you know, it, it is possible. And this is from square one. And I didn't have a big media company behind me. It's it was my brand. I've just decided to call it the MarTech podcast. Um, but it was just me and a microphone interviewing guests using Zoom conference. And so you can grow an asset quickly. And the Voices of Search podcast that I work on with search metrics, we got to 10,000 downloads a month recently, and we've been doing it for roughly a year. And so you can grow quickly if you're willing to invest time, effort, and some budget into it. I think Going to answer your question about, you know, how do we build a podcast starting from scratch, from scratch, from scratch. <laughs> First thing you need to think about is, hey, guess what? I'm a brand development consultant. You know what I'm going to say here? It's about your positioning, right? Uh, who are you? What's the angle you're going to take? Where is there a gap in the content landscape that you can fill? Now, you don't have to create a totally new format of content. There were podcasts about MarTech before I started the MarTech podcast. They just weren't very big, and they weren't publishing a lot. There was no one that really owned the media space and took the air out of the room, so I was able to Facebook their MySpace. The way that I did that was coming up with you know, a, a topic that people were searching for, consistently creating high-quality content. Um, and then you know, when you think about growth, there's a couple different channels to think about when it comes to podcasting. Viral, organic, paid, and partnerships. I'm gonna just skip to viral because this is an episode talking to the SEO community. You guys know what this is, right? Yeah. What are the keywords that you have in your titles? How much content are you producing? And are you able to optimize those keywords and those titles to get visibility in iTunes App Store? That's really what matters the most. But you're also starting to see that spin into Google, right? Can you take your content, transcribe it, summarize it, build pages, and now start getting organic Google traffic? And so you start taking this rich audio format and you can break it down into written content and then break it down into smaller chunks and now produce multiple pieces of content. 
whether it be transcriptions, blog posts, even you know tweets and and social content. When you break things down, you can actually use a podcast to produce multiple formats of content, and that's really valuable to try to drive growth quickly. So that's your organic growth. Yeah, I mean you've You're, got you've got you know content you can transcribe, you can do video. video, you can do audio. I mean you you can pretty much cover every Yeah, I can splinter off other valuable content. Yeah. Yeah, I'm and I'm I'm not a huge fan of the the overall, I guess I shouldn't say I'm not a huge fan. Um I am not a, a religious zealot like some of the people's are when it comes to Gary V's marketing strategy. But I do think that, you know, one of the crux of it and one of the reasons why he's became, been able to brand himself so well is he's successful because he takes his content and he repurposes it and he reformats it. Yeah. And so that's, you know, kind of part of the Gary V playbook of like, I created this really big piece of content and now I have 37 pieces of content across 27 channels that I'm consistently content, I'm consistently publishing. So now I'm everywhere all of the time and people have, you know, can't get rid of me. Right. But he's not doing that, that all himself. <laughs> no, he's building a content yeah. machine. But, right. the, you know, you work with what you have. You sure. know, if you don't have budget, you're not going to be doing paid advertising, which is another one of the podcast growth channels. So I don't know, going back to the, you know, organic, I don't need to preach about how to drive organic growth to the SEO community and to you guys. I, I think that one is sort of self-explanatory explanatory for this audience. Yeah. But virality, when you're interviewing people regularly, um, you know, take a piece of content, give it to them, ask them to reshare it, give them the assets that they need to share it, but then also engage with their communities. If someone's going to post your content that you, you know, the interview that you created for them on LinkedIn, you should be connecting with the people that like that post. You should be starting a conversation on their blog or in whatever forum that they are active in where the conversation is being discussed. You should be visible to the rest of the community, and that'll help spark virality. And so there's also a you need to produce a lot of content to get a lot of different people talking about your podcast all at once to sort of build that virality. You've got kind of a global perspective on uh, this. is great, by the way, because you're a digital marketing, you're SEO, you've branding. If you had to share with the audience, what's one trend that you think is coming down the pike that the rest of us don't see? What are you, what are you seeing in your crystal ball based on the inputs that you get from your guest hosts and the perspective that you have as kind of a global digital manager that we might not see? What do you see coming down the road? Yeah, I mean, I think long-term voice search is coming. And, uh, you know, I think that position zero and you know people operating with a screenless OS um, is probably the next decade, um, and so I think that you know the the phone is always going to be on us, but it's maybe not going to be in front of our eyes all of the time like it is now. So I think that's kind of a, a real future-looking thing. You know, I think for right now the biggest problem that marketers have is understanding marketing attribution and multi-touch attribution. So, yeah. you know, I think that there are data sources and platforms that are becoming a little bit more user-friendly in the same way that, like, you know, Facebook advertising was for the real PPC hardcore community when it first launched. And now, like, my mom could probably figure out how to get a Facebook ad up and running. It's not optimized, but it'll be all right. Um, and so I think that understanding the true value of um, all of your marketing activities and, and understanding, you know, what is a early, mid and late funnel activity will be a little clearer as some of the marketing dashboarding um, becomes more advanced. So that's probably my, my near term, at least hope. And I, I have seen some technologies that are starting to make marketing attribution a little easier. Yeah, I agree with the attribution. Robert, what's your sense on, on voice search? And we were having a conversation in our office earlier today that you know a lot of folks think that voice search will never be purchase-oriented. It will never be action-oriented. It will always be information-oriented. Are you going to go to Google and say, hey, what's the best air conditioning repair shop near me? And if she gave you an answer, what are you going to do? Um, I, I, oh, sorry. sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. Go ahead. Are you well, asking me? Yeah, or? you. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah, Robert. I personally do use uh, 
to look for local business. Okay. What, how do you respond to the result? I start searching. So, like, you know, going through the different reviews and that type of stuff. But for voice search, she comes back and she says, the best pizza company near you is ABC Pizza. And you respond by But how do you respond? How do you respond to the voice search? What's the mechanism now for you to engage? Do you say, hey, Google, call that business? No. See, there you go. And when does that happen? Because that's the turning point of voice search. Yeah, and that's that's. I think it's been sl- every, for the last four years, people have been saying voice search, voice search is voice search, future. voice search. I I think that there's a point where it's going to topple. Like maybe once as the technology increases, then it'll start. You'll well, start seeing a. People a, said it was going to happen when these appliances were in the home. Now that's starting to reach thirty, forty percent levels of search appliances being in homes. So I don't know if that's the tipping point. It's got to be something else that's the tipping point. I think it's the technology. I think it's 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 not that it's new, but I think it needs more to it. The, People the, need that visual aspect as okay. well, and I think there needs to be some kind of way that's merged, you know? Got it. I, I, I respectfully disagree a little bit. Sure. I, I think it's actually an AI uh you know the, the the language processing that needs to continue to get a, an advancement, and I think that's what with Google's last update, the, the BERT update, like that's really what yeah the update was about, mm-hmm. right? It was it was natural language processing and understanding context, and Google's clearly still focusing on that. And I think the reason why you wouldn't say order the pizza from the nearest pizza place is because Google can't ask you the follow up question. I think that the experience when they have the context of Google, what's the best pizza place? Then the last pizza place that you liked and gave a five-star rating was Amici's. Would you like to reorder your last pizza? Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, like then it's a yes prompt first, and if it's no, okay, we'll text you the menu. Like that's where you start to see a commerce impact, where it becomes more of a conversation. Uh, you know. Uh, I'm going to say a Schmexa instead of the real name so I don't set off everybody's speakers at home. But, you know, <laughs> a Schmexa, I need batteries, is going to turn into they're here in the next, you know, day uh, within the next couple of years. I don't, that's already happening. And sure. So commerce yeah. is being impacted mostly on the Amazon side, less on Google because they don't have the e commerce platform uh, that's as, as dominant as, a, as a Amazon. Well, I yeah. certainly don't believe that. It's not going to happen. I just think that the technology is not quite. So, but you think the barrier is the technology? Kind yeah. of Benjamin thinks it's the the AI. It's not a consumer behavior well, at this point. AI it's not being part of the technology. The technology. Yeah. All right. Well, I think it's time for uh, believe it or leave it. Yes. All right, Benjamin. Time for believe it or leave it. One of the most popular parts of Search Talk Live. We're going to give you three statements we found on the internet, and we're going to ask you to tell our listeners whether they should believe it or whether they should leave it. Are you ready? I'm terrified, but let's do it. <laughs> All right. Number one, consumers are too diverse and their desires are too unique to ever be realistically measured in a sales funnel. Bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> we haven't Can renamed the segment. No. <laughs> you didn't hit the bleep button. No, Why do you feel that way? Because uh, people are already doing it. People are already building effective marketing funnels. Like, sure, there's always room for optimization, but if you have a product that is specific enough and targeted towards one group, your marketing funnel is your best friend. Right? There, there's, it's already happening. All right. So, question number two: the best way to get an SEO benefit from a, from your podcast is to have text-based transcriptions of each show on your website. Um, no, I don't think that's the best way to do it. I think the way to do it is summarizing the transcripts um, and creating a discrete, unique piece of content, right? Google understands, Google and all the other search engines, understands the context. And, yeah. you know, I, I we've found that putting up the transcriptions doesn't have a ton of value. There's some, um, but when you're starting to summarize and give, you know, more accurate and useful show notes, um, those pages get prioritized more. So rather than the whole transcript, just summarize it, create a unique piece of content, and link off to that content. Yeah, I think that the 
one of the things that we're doing for the MarTech podcast, we use a, a service called Temi, um, which is a dollar a minute for a transcription, and it's a you know, computerized transcription. It's not word for word perfect. It's not something I would publish, but we take those transcripts and we take you know passages out of them, clean them, clean them up, and then use them for our show notes and our summaries. Um, and you know, by filtering down the long transcript, you have a, a more discreet piece of content. And you know, if we wanted to, we could always take the transcript and publish it as a second piece of content and then link it back to the show notes. That's probably the best way to do it. Um, but we found that when we switched from just having the transcriptions, which were better transcriptions, to sort of episode summaries, we started seeing more organic traffic. Cool. Believe it or leave it, number three, SEOs should always look at first-click attribution modeling to evaluate the ROI of SEO and never look at last-click attribution. Believe it or leave it? Uh, I'm going to leave it, <laughs> and I think it's contextual. I think that if you're looking at an awareness-driven metric as opposed to a direct response metric – you're looking at different things, right? If I'm just trying to figure out bottom line sales, I want to measure last click attribution, right? If it's a term that is clearly a, 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 you know, a purchasing page, I'm probably going to evaluate that page specifically. So I just think that that question is generally too broad. It, it really depends on the circumstance. Yeah, the hospital system I worked for, we did a linear. The uh, linear model. Yeah. 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 All right, good stuff. Thank you, Benjamin. Now we've got one more part of the show. Yes, and it is our Search Talk Live tattoo. Uh, it's our. Go ahead, We're going to ask you to give our audience <laughs> the shortest, uh, most succinct piece of advice, <laughs> and it has to be tattooable based on some of the guidance you've shared in the show. So, what's your Search Talk Live tattoo? I'm going to give you three of them. Three um, tattoos? Uh, three tattoos. I don't know if our yeah, budget is that high. It's going to be a tattoo high. parlor for this episode. Um, <laughs> At the end of every podcast for the MarTech podcast, um, my advice is to focus on keeping your customers happy. At the end of every Voices of Search podcast, I say the answers are always in the data. And at the end of every Finding a Job podcast, I say stay positive and keep networking. And I, I believe all of those statements are important and impactful in not only helping you as a marketer, helping you in terms of developing your career, but also just helping you contextualize the work that you're doing in the context of your greater life. You're covering a lot of skin there, Benjamin, with those uh, three tattoos. That's right. Your turn for the tattoos, right? <laughs> I usually, it's usually one per show, and you got three to do now. Uh, <laughs> I didn't give well, you all of my influencers, so at least I'll give you more tattoos. Yeah, well, I do, I do think that the answer is in the data is quite profound, really. And I think sometimes as SEOs and as marketers, we sometimes uh, miss that a lot of times, right? The answer is in the data. Yeah, like and it, uh, the truth is, you know, I, I spent a lot of time preaching to the SEO community, think about, you know, think as a general marketer and understand who the customer is and focus on the user experience. And the data is not always quantitative data. It yeah. can be qualitative as well. Mm -hmm. yep. That's right. tattoo number four. <laughs> Benjamin, I want to thank you for being on the show. We've already burned through an hour. I really appreciate you being yeah, on the show. Fast. Again, uh, if people want to reach you on Twitter or uh do you have a Facebook page? Tell us where people can yeah, check you out. You know, uh, I'm just going to give you a couple of terms. First off, guys, this was a blast. I had a great time. I really appreciate you having me on the show. Yeah. Uh, and I, I hope everybody else enjoyed the conversation as much as I did. Um, in terms of contact information, only two things you need to remember. MartechPod, M-A-R-T-E-C-H-P-O-D, MartechPod.com, Martech on Twitter. Search it on Facebook. We have a group that we're just starting. Uh, if anybody wants information about me, then go to Ben J. Shap, B-E-N-J-S-H-A-P. The first four letters of Benjamin, the first four letters of Shapiro, and that's my consulting site and all my personal handles. So if you want to you know, hear me talk, or Yeah, okay. and uh, Ben J. Shap on Twitter and Facebook and Instagram and all that stuff. So if you want to see who my sports teams are, go there. And if you want to learn about marketing, go to Martech. I did notice that you are quite the sports fan. 
I'm, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm absolutely an avid sports fan, and my teams are cursed. Yeah, especially last night, right? All right, I got to ask, what teams are they? The Niners. Uh, well, oh. I'm, I'm a big University of California sports fan, and that's uh, a lesson in humility and patience. <laughs> <laughs> and you are a Niners fan, right? I'm a Niners fan. And you stayed up last night? I watched the well. It wasn't that late for me, but yeah, yeah I, I <laughs> it was very late for me. Kick <laughs> in the pants, guys. <laughs> All right, thanks for coming on the show. I appreciate it, Benjamin. Thanks right. so much. We thanks enjoyed so much. it. Have a great rest of the day. All right, that's been another episode of Search Talk Live. Thank everyone. Thank you for. Ev- I can't talk today. What is the problem? <laughs> Thank, Thank you everyone, everyone for, for listening. listening. Thank you. And uh, oh, by the way, I do want to mention. Your your logo for Veterans Day is awesome. Oh, thanks, thanks, that, and that, that was well thought out. I think well, thank great. you, and we should uh, have a special recognition for everybody listening to the show who's a veteran. Yes, and sincerely thank them for the service to our country. Absolutely, I, you know, I, I see people all day, every you know, all the time. I walk up to them and I thank them for their services. Yeah, it's the greatest sacrifice. Yeah. All right, guys, we'll see you next week. Thanks. Thanks Bye-bye. for listening. Happy Veterans Day, everybody. Search Talk Live is sponsored by the Robert Palmer family of companies. If you have questions for Search Talk Live or you're interested in being a guest or a sponsor of the show, email Robert at searchtalklive.com. That's searchtalklive.com.